Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Everything Cooperative. This morning, we have the pleasure of having John Hothclaw IV with us this morning. Good morning, John. Good morning, Vernon. Always good to be with you. It's great. It's great to have you on this morning again. I think you've been on two, or has it been three times that you've been on the show? Uh, it might be four times. Hmm. I think two on my own, and then we had the... A tribute show, and um, then uh, I think now, so four, four okay. or five. I, I, I might, I might be number one on the leaderboard there. Okay. Who knows? So, if anybody out there want to hear about John's previous shows, you can go to www.everything.coop, and you can hear him. But right now, we're going to talk about a book that is out: Humanity at Work and Life. I wanted to say Humanity at Work and Play. But okay, humanity at work and life. And John penned the 29th chapter, which is financing worker cooperatives, challenges and opportunities. John, how did you get into that role? Great question, Vernon. Uh, you know, I, I mean, let, let me first say something about the book. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about the world today and how we need to all come together and, and work together. I mean, you, you're talking about a book that had. 36 contributors from six different countries on three continents, first of all. And so Dr. Christine, Chris Clamp, who was my former professor in grad school, had reached out to me and Michael Peck, who are both the co-editors of the book, and had asked me about it. And uh, I was honored um, that they would want me to include a chapter uh, on uh, worker co-ops. But the other great thing about it is, is that they gave me a little direction, but they supported me 100% in the direction that I uh, tried to go. Uh, I probably have, have not done anything as challenging as this because I tried to probably put in way, way too much into the chapter, but at the same time, when they both approached me and asked me to be a part of this incredible effort, um, there was no way that I could say no. 29th chapter. So what's your background that would cause you to be able to, to write about financing worker cooperatives? Well, it's, it's really varied. I mean, obviously for many who may know of my career, I started uh, Capital Impact Partners, are starting their government relations or lobbying program from scratch there. So I've got this policy event, and you'll see a little bit of policy um, uh, in the chapter talking about the SBA and how it relates to some of their loan guarantee programs and cooperatives. Uh, and then I left Capital Impact and came to uh, the National Cooperative Bank. Uh, I was always proud to sponsor um, everything co-op to do what, what we called at the time corporate affairs, which was a combination of community development as well as thought leadership uh, in this space. Uh, and then well, as uh, many people... Excuse me one second, John. I'm sorry to cut you off, but you're saying you're supporting... NCB has been our supporter, financial supporter, and cheerleader and team builder for almost 10 years now. 
and you said that came out of your corporate affairs department? Not not necessarily the support of it, but my role within that time after oh, leaving Capital Impact okay. going into going into um, the bank. Uh, so it was a combination of me having this policy background now with me trying to raise my business acumen and do more on the business development side. And I think that this chapter is a combination of both of those. And okay. that's the combination of my policy piece or background and the combination of what uh, we've done at the bank uh, for so many years from a financing standpoint. And then last but not least, and we may get into this within the hour is, is the uh, founding of what is now an emerging community development loan fund, Rochdale Capital, which the bank founded in 2021, although we are a separate and unaffiliated organization. So I think in all that, this chapter really brings my entire career within the cooperative movement full circle, Vernon, and is why it was it was such a, a, a pleasure to write. Okay. So you have the, the history, the experience. What about the education? What's your education like? My education, uh, formal education, is I'm a, a proud graduate of what is now the largest historical black college and university in the country, North Carolina A&T State University. And then I mentioned before, uh, Dr. Clamp was uh, one of my professors when I was in the Southern New Hampshire uh, in-person weekend program, as I call it, uh, to get my master's in community economic development. And I've gone on from there to the Stonier Graduate School of Banking and, and have a certificate in um, diversity, equity, and inclusion from uh, Cornell University. So I've tried to tried to learn as much as I could while I could. Uh, I don't know if I can learn anything else, but uh, I'll squeeze in what I can, Vernon. I will. But that's my formal education background. All right, brother. So, young brother, you can always learn more. That's my that's my view of it. Always learn. I got you. Always Never learn. too old to learn. Never. I got you. All right, so you got the background in terms of formal education. You've got the experience at uh, Capital Impact Partners, then NCB Bank, and now at Rochdale to write a chapter on financing worker cooperatives. And it's called Financing Worker Cooperatives, Challenges and Opportunities. So give me a couple of the challenges, not not too many of them too quick. What's a couple well, of challenges? Well, real quick, first and foremost, like many uh, small businesses, it's, uh, there's a lack of access to capital. Um, and I think that, you know, for, for worker cooperatives who are trying to come in a post-pandemic and pre-pandemic world, um, it's hard to be able to find financial institutions that can provide you adequate financing, number one. Number two, most entrepreneurs or cooperators don't necessarily have a, a background in building, writing business uh, plans and strategies and things of that nature. And so I think that that's where training and education come into play. So I think that's one of the the bigger um, challenges is that access to capital. And then I think, you know, number two, from an education standpoint, is just uh, you've got federal programs and opportunities that that people need to learn more about how the uh, worker co-ops are structured. They need to learn more about what the benefits are to the community. They're already contributing nationwide to what's going on, but there needs to be an education component to that as well. And so you've got the lack of access and then the education piece that are two of the biggest barriers. But I think that the opportunities outweigh the the barriers moving well, forward, especially in the post-pandemic world. So before we get to opportunities, I still want to put on this lack of access to capital. That's that's a that's for anybody. There's just not a lot for small businesses. And then you've got to be able to write the proposals and write the 
business plans, and that's the education. I want to make sure I get this other part of education. It sounds like you were saying to me, and tell me if I got it right or not, but you have to educate the government departments, divisions about what a co-op is. You is do. that what you're saying? You do. I mean, okay. I, I, listen, I, I, I think you've got situations now where, and I, and I had Ariel Conjure, who's the SVP of government programs from the bank in the paper, where he talks about this uh, ongoing effort to advocate the Small Business Administration around uh, providing worker co-ops with the same guarantee opportunities or loan guarantee opportunities that many uh, non-cooperative entrepreneurs uh, get a chance to, to have. And so it could be a game changer. The bank uh, was able to finance a, a food co-op in Fredericksburg, uh, Virginia, using this loan guarantee, which was was what, what any entrepreneur wants, an opportunity to be able to finance uh, their business, but at the same time provide the financial institution uh, some way to mitigate the risk by having a guarantee. And so I think that there's a broader piece of what we do that needs to be put out there. And I, what I tried to do in this chapter was give case studies or give uh, geographically placed areas where various worker co-ops were trying to be financed. And so that's number one. And then number two, I tried to talk to a lot of co-op mission lenders, and I'm very grateful to them for their time for giving us uh, some of the answers uh, to either what the problems were or what the opportunities are, and, and they are throughout the chapter as well. And so I think those are, are two big pieces, and I think that we're going to continue to advocate on behalf of worker co-ops to the SBA, as well as all federal agencies, because we really do feel that they are viable opportunities for uh black and brown, indigenous, you name it, cooperators across the country to get their worker co-ops off the ground. So you're hitting my, to my next question, black, black, brown, indigenous. So people that look like us, I've always found it to be hard to get capital. So if you say to me that it's hard to get capital for small businesses, no matter what across the table, it's even harder for black and brown and indigenous people to get capital. Is that it is. part of the problem also? Yeah, it's part of the problem also. I mean, again, you know, there's a great, a great, great case study in the chapter that talks about Chai Fresh Kitchen in Chicago. And here you're talking about, uh, I wrote it here, formerly incarcerated people of color, um, primarily women, but I like to refer to, to them as returning citizens uh, and who basically came together to form a co-op that was going to deliver, you know, fresh food, uh, healthy food rooted in the culture of which the people that they served. And so... You, 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 first of all, you walk in and you're formerly incarcerated. You don't have the background as it relates to the, uh, a business plan and how to, how to apply for these kind of things on a financial institution. And you're talking about the south and west sides of Chicago and you're people of color. I mean, that's like, uh, statistically, how can this happen? But what they were able to do, uh, number one, was win a co-op innovation award, which is one of the awards that's given uh, to emerging uh, co-ops uh, that NCB and Capital Impact Partners and now Rochdale Capital Sponsor along with a few others and they were take, able to take that grant program expand uh, uh, some things in the business and then which led to greater investment and so it's just a great story but think about the uphill climb that they had to have just to get financing uh, uh, and enough money to raise to buy the 6,000 square foot building that they needed and much thanks to Shared Capital Co-op um, for for them financing that. But again, I mean, if you have all of these things stacked against you and you're going into a mainstream bank, I'm not knocking the mainstream banks here. All I'm saying is that 
you have all of these things stacked against you. If you don't know how to address or find solutions to these problems, um, you know, it's going to be a, a, a hard road to go in regards to getting financing. And I try to get that across as best I could in, in this okay. chapter. So I want to I want to look at the stack a minute. So I understand Chai Fresh were women, mm-hmm. five women that started it. Mm-hmm. They are African-American. Or was there one Hispanic? Uh, multicultural, multicultural. multicultural. I mean, I, I, from what I remember, and I've met several of them. I know you've had many of them on your on your show. Um, I, I want to say black, and there may be some mixed race or Latinos in there as well. But majority people of color, all women, all formerly incarcerated, are returning citizens. So it is a minority-owned worker co-op. So most of the time, when you come out of I have it that there are people that have had a problem with the law. I don't even, I don't even call them returning formally on car. They just had problems. Sometimes they haven't even had a, they didn't do anything. <laughs> they just had a right. problem with the law. Right. They had a problem with the law. They're coming back out of being incarcerated. They're minorities. They may not have the education, formal education or other, their business education. And they're saying, I want to start a business. Most of the time they can't even find a job mm-hmm. coming out of, Okay. In some states, they'll never be able to vote. So think about that as well. So that's also another roadblock. So So they're able to now start a business. Okay. I interviewed, I think, Dr. Jessica Gordon-Nimhart about the returning co-ops from um, formerly incarcerated people, and they have a recidivism rate of 3 to 5%. We're at 70, 75% here. Yes. So if you if you can get into one of these, anybody out there formerly incarcerated, get into one of these co-ops to help to create one. John, we have to take our first break. I'm anxious to get back to talk to you about some of the other the problems in more detail, but particularly want to get to the opportunities in some of these other cases. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. John Hostclaw is our guest. And so, John, we left talking about the problems, and we're talking about the problems of the people that formed Shy Fresh in Chicago. And you talked to us about the problems that people have, period, and that's lack of access to capital. And then there's the education piece, the educating entrepreneurs to know how to run a business and write a business plan and fill out proposals and government and loan applications and all of that, and then trying to get government officials to understand what co-ops are, both of that. So CDFIs, Capital Impact Partners, and Rochdale or CDFI. What is a CDFI and how the how the two parts? What's a CDFI and how do they help to overcome some of the problems you've identified? So, great question. A CDFI, uh, Vernon, in its core is, it's, and for those of you who hate acronyms like I do, um, CDFI stands for Community Development Financial Institution. They were created in the 1994 Regal Act to be uh, essentially alternatives to banks. That was a a, a, a great uh, CDFI called Southern Bank Corps created in Arkansas at the time President Clinton or uh, the former First Lady and Senator was on the board of Southern Bank Corps and it was modeled after 
another uh, a bank in uh, Chicago called I think South Shore. That said, they wanted to to, to create something that people in under resourced communities could go to to provide financing and to be alternatives uh, for banks. Capital Impact, Rochdale Capital are both loan funds. They're also community development banks. They're also community development credit unions uh, that exist. And so today there are more there are 1,380 CDFIs um, based all across the country uh, that, that, that do this work. And so I think during the pandemic when CDFIs became uh, what we call the, the financial first responders for many black businesses, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves, 41% of Black entrepreneurs lost their businesses. 27% of Latino entrepreneurs lost their businesses during the pandemic. And so when they needed a place to go uh, for financing or to get some help, they would go to community development banks, credit unions, and loan funds uh, to help them. And so I think that you're starting to see, um, and, and, I, and I always tell people, I don't call it an industry. Um, I call it the CDFI movement. I think you're starting to see the CDFI movement uh, take even a greater role uh, as this country uh, continues uh, on its recovery, number one, but I think also, too, as it relates to worker co-ops and, and, and other cooperative and community ownership opportunities, I think CDFIs provide one of the greatest chances or greatest opportunity for worker cooperatives as well as uh, other uh, black and brown indigenous AAPI entrepreneurs and cooperators across the country because there are already many across the country like LEAF in Boston and uh, CF&E in, in, in the Northeast and Shared Cap Capital Co-op in the Midwest, Capital Impact Partners, Roch Rochdale, who are already doing these kind of things. Um, and again, it's our job as co-op mission lenders within this entire ecosystem for us to do our best to educate other um, CDFIs who are unaware uh, of the opportunities uh, and, and the need for capital that these worker co-ops have. Um, and so in a nutshell, and I know that wasn't a really short nutshell, <laughs> uh, but again, I think you can hear my passion about the CDFI movement and how important I feel it is to the future of uh, uh, worker cooperatives uh, and, and others and all kinds of, of entrepreneur opportunities in uh, the communities that we serve, uh, which are under-resourced completely. So what I got, I, I got a lot out of that, but I want to go all the way back to 41% okay. of black small businesses lost their business through the pandemic. That's 41%. 41%. 41%. And 27% of Hispanics lost their business. Mm -hmm. John, I don't know if you know this number, but best guess, if it weren't for CDFIs, credit unions, and financial funds, how many more do you think would have lost their business? You know, and that's a that's a great uh, a question. It, it, listen, I I know the amount of billions that were contributed. I know the amount of uh, uh, paycheck protection program uh, numbers that were contributed. I don't have it in front of me, but I think the numbers would be a lot higher, Vernon. Um, I think that that people realize many people who have been banking at these community development banks, many people who had already been members, those credit unions are cooperative, uh, a, a community development credit unions, and not knowing that they, uh, they had access to these resources. And I think that loan funds stepped up as well, many of whom are, I mean, all of whom are non-depository, but found a way to be innovative enough to use the, the paycheck 
protection program as well. And so I can only imagine that if you did not have them in place uh, in, in the communities that we serve, I mean, you know, again, that 41 and that 20, 27% uh, was compared to 17% of white businesses that closed. So it shows you the gap there between uh, the amount of, of, of businesses that shuttered. I, I would I would hate to even imagine what the numbers would have been like if CDFIs as financial first responders had not been there, Vernon. I really, I, I don't even want to think the thought. <laughs> okay. Okay. And off the top, I'm going maybe double, maybe been 82 percent of black businesses would have gone under. Because if you don't, I know more than I know more than 50, maybe okay. 60, uh, 60, 65 percent. I would go that high. But uh, again, I, I I think it's uh, an opportunity, and I hope for many people who read this chapter, I hope it's their their not necessarily their introduction to worker co-ops, because I think anybody who buys this book, and I encourage everyone to go out and go to. Sit, to um, successstore.com, and I think uh, the paperback is out now. And, and although I have the ebook, I really want to have an, an, uh, one to hold in my hand, and I hope that Chris Clamp and Michael Peck will, will sign it for me for sure. But that said, I, I think it's important that I also want to get across in this chapter that people who know about worker co-ops also get an opportunity to learn about community development financial institutions. And so I think that, you know, and I hope that comes across and uh, in, in what we wrote uh, and what it, I just think that the conversations that I had with uh, Shared Capital and, and, and Leaf and Geraldo and others, I think it's going to shed a lot of light on the opportunities that CDFIs can provide for worker co-ops. That's been one of the greatest joys for me uh, in Rochdale is that we meet so many amazing cooperators of color right now. And it, it makes me not only feel good about the present, but it makes me feel good about the future of the cooperative movement uh, and know that, 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 that there is a deep bench of people who are doing some amazing things across this country. Uh, and while, while we can't necessarily finance all of them, I'm a big believer in saying that while we may not be able to provide you with the financial capital, we will provide you with as much relationship capital as we can to leverage those relationships to help you find someone or cobble together groups that can help finance these worker co-ops of color. Fantastic. Now, um, Camille Kerr has been on the show several times, a couple times, and she helped mm -hmm. to start Chai Fresh. She mm -hmm. was the, when we start talking about the ecosystem, in this chapter you talked about they have to have the technical assistance, somebody to help them when they don't have the education, you don't know how to do the business plan, you don't know how to put everything together. There's technical assistance people throughout and Camille Kerr, and she'll be on next week. She'll be on the show next week. That's a can't-miss episode right there for sure. So, yeah. you know, and again, I'll say this till I'm blue in the face. I mean, this is what, what people also don't understand about uh, CDFIs. There's a development services piece to what they, they do as well. I mean, we sometimes have to teach people how to borrow from us. We have to give them the financial literacy. We have to give them and so there, there, there are people like Camille who are out here doing the, the, the invaluable work of taking worker owners or taking entrepreneurs and teaching them how to borrow money. It's some, something that some people take for granted, but for some folks, it's, it's not something they know. Uh, writing the business plan for Rochdale was, was tough for me because I had never technically written a business plan and it was humbling. And I just, I think it's, uh, it's important.
And uh, I, I think that, and I would definitely listen to that show next week because what, what Camille's doing in this space is invaluable. It really is. Yeah, she's now a non-voting shareholder and a, and a management consultant for Shine Fresh. Nice. I uh, love talking about them. I want to get up and to Chicago and meet the people that started Chai Fresh. That's five folks that started it. And then maybe hear their stories. Might even get them on a show. But before that one, let's talk more about, can you give us any opportunities? You're talking about the problems, the challenges. Or, or first, are there any other challenges besides the ones you've given? No, I, don't, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, they are. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to take the time to do it now, but but I, but I will say this, Vernon. I mean, there's a part of the chapter uh, that I had to include, um, and I and I and I see it as an opportunity. Uh, whilst uh, it, it remains a challenge, there's a piece in here that talks about CDFIs and and racial equity, um, and I think that um, uh, I'm a big uh, believer in racial equity isn't a feeling; it's it's more than that. And I think that what I try to get across uh, in the chapter is is that. Um, it's it's more than just money, um, and it's it's about supporting cooperators of color. You know, I think it, it goes without saying that the numbers are very very low uh, when it comes to cooperators of color. That said, I think that there's a, a part of the of the chapter where I talk about CDFIs and racial equity. We have to and come back and talk about that. We have to come back and talk about it after the break. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Co-op. Uh, Mr. John Hoseclaw is our guest today. And John used to work for the National Co-op Bank. And we've already mentioned that NCB has been our sponsor for the last nine plus years, almost 10 years now. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. And those low communities often are black and brown communities, but they have been a great, great partner for us. So, John, uh, Rochdale came out of NCB. Chuck Snyder, this is one of the things he wanted to do before he passed away. Um, yeah, it is. Very, and let me be, let me correct you for one thing. I still technically work for the National Cooperative Bank. I'm, I'm dual titled, so I'm still uh, a bank officer, uh, and then also the, the CEO of, of Rochdale, so I don't formally um, work for NCB anymore. I'm still um, a, a bank officer, but this was definitely something that Chuck wanted to be uh, his legacy. You know, he he wanted uh, Rochdale to be a, uh, not only a place to provide um, financial capital in under-resourced communities, but I think he also wanted it to be a, a place of, of thought leadership. And I, we may probably will talk about that a little later, but this definitely was what, what his intention was and, and what I, what we as a staff and the board and what we try to do on a daily basis uh, in regards to staying as close to that um, desire um, that he had for this organization as possible. So he's definitely missed, but um, he's uh, uh, never too far away in uh, a lot of our activities that we do on a, um, a daily basis. So he's such a visionary. Um, Dr. Chris Clamp and Michael Peck told me that they dedicated the book to him because he brought the two of them together. He said he's, he they told me, he said, I don't know what you are going to do together, but I'm, you all shouldn't meet each other. So something you all do. And so this book is part of that meeting and introduction of them. 
So you were talking about racial equity before we took the break. You want to finish that? You know, and, and I was, and I, I won't spend much time on it. I just think that it's important. Um, and, and there's a great piece in here where the uh, executive director of uh, the cooperative fund of the Northeast talks about how, you know, although they have a, a not a very diverse staff, that the amazing efforts that they go through to try to be able to reach and work in communities of color. And I think it's something that, that, that people should all be aware of. And I also think that it's something that, that we as a cooperative movement, as well as the CDFI movement, need to be aware of. It's something that I've um, taken a great deal of pride of being an advocate for um, throughout my time in the entire bank enterprise. And so, again, I would just encourage people to go there. But the one thing that we, we haven't talked about, uh, too, is that, you know, we, we, we're in an aging country. And, and there's one case study in Washington State that I would definitely uh, want people to look at um, that talks about a, a business that had been in uh, operation for 40 years. And then, of course, the founders and owners were approaching retirement. retirement. Yep. And, and it, then it talks about how the long-term term managers in a five-year transition plan were able to work with uh, shared capital. I think they approached uh, a bank. And again, it's a perfect example of them with this solid five-year plan but they could not get the bank loan. And then, you know, they were told that they were not bankable. And so there was no access to an SBA loan guarantee, no way to mitigate the risk for the bank. And so Shared Capital Co-op stepped in and, and basically, you know, sold to five of the 18 uh, employees for it to be a worker co-op to own. own. And I, I can imagine that when I say innovative financing, I can imagine the type of innovative financing that it took uh, to get them at a place where they felt as if they could mitigate the risk. Also, in combination of taking those five uh, now cooperative owners and and basically teaching them how to borrow from uh, from from shared capital co-op. And so, uh, if there's no case study within the chapter that encapsulates. You know every aspect of what we've talked about since ten thirty, since ten thirty, Vernon. That alone talks about the conversion. It talks about the education of, of teaching folks to borrow. It talks about what they did with with the absence of a, a SBA program, and then what type of innovation it took for Shared Capital Co-op to um, do the loan. And so I think it, it really speaks to the power of cooperation, but also to the amazing opportunity that CDFIs have and can play uh, uh, moving forward in this uh, in this space. So, if it's in Washington State, I would uh, and it's been in business for forty years. I would imagine that's majority people trying to get the loan. It I is. would imagine. It is. It so is. they couldn't get the loan. They've been in business forty years. They've got a great plan. They they have the income from the business as potential collateral. They have a lot of things going for them, and they still because it's a worker-owned co-op that they're looking at going into with these individuals owning it, then the bank says, I don't have one person that I can go get collateral from, their home, their house, their car, their boat, their stocks. Or, I don't have this collateral. I've got the business, but that's not bankable? That doesn't yes. yeah. And there's no SBA program that will, that at that time that would take all five of those potential borrowers as as the uh, you know as, as the guarantor and so with that i think that there's a lot more work to be done on the sba side to get them along i think we've worked really 
hard, uh, RL, uh, the bank, as well as NCBA and others, to get SBA across the finish line to provide more guidance for this again. But they are losing the opportunity to help some very passionate and 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 wonderful uh, cooperators of color and non uh, non cooperators of color. Uh, achieve their dream, especially as we age and you hear folks talk about the silver tsunami and all this kind of stuff in this country. There's no reason that a business that has been in, that has been operating for 40 years and, and, and making profit when the owners decide to retire, that the entire business should shudder when the employees want to be able to um, purchase it. There's no, there's no reason that that should happen at all. And um, it's something that I think many businesses and Project Equity does an amazing job of working with these folks on trying to help them doing these conversions. But again, they don't finance, but at the same time, they do a great job of helping them convert. It's interesting listening to you because uh, Christina Jennings from Shared Capital has been on the show. Project Equity has been on the show, and they do a really great job also. So they've been on everything co-op. But John... I want to change now to talk about Rochdale. What are some of the things that you're doing? You started in 2021, you said. That's only a year and a half, two years. What are some of the things that you're doing at Rochdale now? Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to uh, the bank. The bank has been an amazing founding and strategic partner. Started us off with a a generous contribution that we've worked very hard uh, to Stay true to our cooperative roots. Uh, and the, the bank is National Cooperative Bank, right? When you say the I'm, National uh, Cooperative Bank, okay. yes, the National okay. Cooperative Bank. And again, we are separate and unaffiliated. So thank you for the clarification. We are separate and unaffiliated, but I'm very thankful for their support. Uh, I've got uh, the best chief loan officer in the country, and I've got the best operations and compliance manager in the country. And we're, we're big on three things, Vernon. We're big on number one, living our brand. Number two, we're big on the fact that we are serious about our advancement of uh, uh, equity, diversity, and inclusion. We're proud that we have a majority-minority board. And then last but not least, we're very proud of the, the fact that, again, if we, if, we, if we can help you with financial capital, that we will do all that we can to help you with uh, relationship capital. And so we've had four loans thus far, one to a majority black limited equity co-op in Crenshaw, uh, in California, uh, we, we've got we, we we bought in on a loan with the bank um, uh, for a, a, a food co-op in the north end of uh, Detroit. That's majority black, uh, and it's the first transit-oriented development in uh, the city's history. Uh, we've got a, a, a self-standing loan with uh, City of Refuge in South Baltimore, a very diverse community who wants to become a resiliency hub, um, uh, and that. They're going to take solar panels and have battery power with enough for 72 hours if there is a power outage for people to charge their um, laptops or phones, uh, keep their medicine refrigerated. And then last but not least, we are working with uh, we work with the bank on a, on a, on a, a grocery deal in the south shore of um, Chicago. And so th- those are two good examples of what we're doing. We only work in communities of color. So again, black, Latino, uh, AAPI, or indigenous, and, and and again, our our demand right now um, is uh, really uh, over the over the over the the roof right now. Uh, we've got some amazing uh, opportunities here moving forward. Um, our pipeline is long. Uh, 
number one. Number two, I always tell people that I go to bed uh, thinking about capitalization or raising money for Rochdale, and then I wake up in the morning <laughs> thinking about raising money for Rochdale because we're not um, we're not a, a depository institution. But, but going back to Chuck, but uh, being a strong believer in thought leadership, we really feel strongly that thought leadership equals capital equals more of an opportunity for us to have more impact. So. If you give me an opportunity, I'd love to tell you about something we're doing next week when you have a chance. Okay. So I just want to go back and make sure I understand these four loans you have out because I heard L.A., Detroit, Baltimore, and Chicago. Yes. Both coasts yes. and in the middle. So L.A., though, was that a limited equity housing co-op you invested in? It was a limited equity housing co-op. Yep, it was. It was. And um, the, what? the bank had a few share loan members that uh, – share loans – within the building, but they also needed some a new roof, some new siding, and some other things. Uh, and they didn't have, obviously, the money for that. And so we were able to purchase a part of the loan uh, from the bank that was then used for them to make some of those improvements uh, from a roof standpoint uh, and siding and painting and whatnot. And so, again, it's a majority black uh, uh, limited equity co-op. Anybody who knows that Crenshaw part of L.A. knows that it's 93% black. Well, was that a part of the uh, downtown Crenshaw Rising? No, it was not a part of downtown Crenshaw okay. Rising. Um, obviously, we are very familiar with that effort and everything that Damien and his group was doing there, which is just um, I mean, phenomenal. phenomenal, and I'm so yeah. glad they're in the fight. But it was not a part of that. Okay. And I know the Detroit Food Co-op, was that Malik? Yep, Malik. it was Malik. Yeah, that's him and his group of Detroit Food Security. You know, and it's going to be more than, than, than just the food co-op. It's really going to be a building for the community. They're going to have spaces there for meetings. They're going to have spaces there for, for students to come there after school and do study halls and do computer training. And so, again, it's all about uh, concern for community. They're principal seven, so I'm super excited about that. And then you throw on top of that the first transit-oriented de development in the city of Detroit is tied to a cooperative. I mean, that 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 can't be said enough. Um, and so I'm really um, excited about our involvement in that and we'll definitely be there on that grand opening day because, again, it's going to be so great for the community um, and just to have that access. And if you notice, you know, I don't say low and moderate income much anymore, Vernon. I try to say under-resourced because at the end of the day, it's all about access, mm -hmm. access to health, access to healthy food, access to food security. So I'm trying to get myself away from talking about, you know, distressed or underserved or low and moderate income communities. They're just starting to feel like they have a negative connotation to me. So I'm just trying to trying to roll with under-resourced uh, and, uh, and I wish And try to get them some resources. There you go. Okay. Exactly. So we're going to take our final break, and when I come back, I really want to talk more about Rochdale and what you're doing. Uh, I understand you have a symposium or conference coming up here. You're going to convene some people here next week. So yep, we, we we'll talk about that when we come back. But it is amazing. You're in four parts of the country, both coast and in the middle, with all kinds of different projects. It's not like it'd be a fun job to be in. Okay, we'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. News Talk 1450 WOLAM, where information is power. Information is power. And Papa Sin said that first 
October that we were on, Papa Sin is from Senegal. And he was here, he was getting uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame. He said, it's not the knowledge that gives you the power. It's putting the knowledge into action. It's not until you get into action that you have the power. So we're telling you, John Claw is telling everybody out there about worker co-ops and getting them financed and getting the knowledge you need to start a business and working together. You got to get in action, though. That's what I'm hopeful that conversations like this will cause more and more people to get in action. And uh, my heart leaps when you tell me, and Esteban Kelly from U.S. Federation of Worker Co-ops have said it, too, that most of the worker co-ops that are forming now are black and brown people. And so as my mother said, get a good education, John, so you can get a good job. Now I'm saying get an education. You may work for a while and a good job, but you want to start your own. Start your own business. Create some good jobs. And my last point, uh, that co-op was in Italy, but it was inside the prison, the bakery co-op inside the prison in Italy, Ghiatto. And that's the one they had this recidivism rate of 3 to 5%. So because it was both inside the prison and outside, and so people working inside the prison to make breads and everything that bakers make, when they got out, they had a job. Not only have a job, they had a share. They had ownership. They had community. No, you're not going back. So um, I would love to see us do that here also. But tell us, what are some of the things you're doing in Rochdale? Well, one of the things we're doing, and again, we're super excited about it uh, next week on Tuesday. We're holding a convening. You know, listen, we remain true to our cooperative roots and always will. Uh, you know, even our logo has the seven rays of the sun, which represent the the seven principles but the but the other component of this that works for us is that you know we also want to do our part from a community ownership standpoint and so next uh tuesday we're holding uh our first ever convening very small a group of folks uh, many of whom are from co-op mission lenders somebody's from the carsey institute we've got a, a baltimore-based community loan fund we have uh, some philanthropic representatives as well to try to do what we can to take uh, the cooperative principles and integrate them into this thought of community ownership. And again, this is where, you know, Chuck's whole thought about thought leadership was very important. Uh, and so we're doing that next uh, Tuesday and I'm really excited about it. And, and we're going to tell them off the top, you're not here to listen to us. You're here because we want to pick your brains about what this definition should mean to Rochdale about what, foundation should we take from the cooperative principles and this whole concept of a community ownership model? Um, you know, you talked about Damien and, and, and Crenshaw Rising. I mean, that was a great example of, um, of, 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 a, of an opportunity for a community to come together to bid for this, you know, important uh, Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Plaza Mall. You know, I'm a big fan of Andre Perry's. Uh, he jointly wrote a, uh, uh, a piece about that mall, but in the very beginning of it, it talks about the famous post-Civil War initiative known as 40 Acres and a Mule, and when General Sherman promised newly freed black uh, households, you know, that, you know, they would be able to sustain their freedom. There was a one black minister by the name of Garrison Fraser who told the general, he said, freedom means having the ability to reap the fruit of your own labor, of our own labor. And obviously, uh, for, for the historians out there, uh, President Johnson overturned the overall decision. And even to this day, 
a half a century later, there's still this um, unfulfilled promise of land ownership um, for many of the descendants of, of, of many of those enslaved individuals. And so the, the struggle continues. And so yep. what we're trying to do as an organization who's living their brand, supporting equity, diversity and inclusion, and also uh, leveraging that relationship capital, we're trying to come up with our definition that melds the cooperative principles and community ownership together um, uh, because it's too vitally important uh, to this country. Uh, 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 you know, land retention, home ownership, entrepreneurship, worker co-ops, limited equity co-ops, all of these things that when you when you talk to people, we I, I, I love during my time in my lobby days when I would go on the hill and somebody would not understand what a co-op was. And I would say to them, well, let me ask you, are you a member of the Congressional Credit Union or are you a member of the U.S. Senate Credit Union? And they'd say, oh, yes, we're proud members. Well, then you're a member of a co-op. And then the light bulb would go off. And so, you know, with that said, I, I think there's a lot more work for us to do. We're excited about the convening next week. Um, we're excited about what's going to come out of it. We're going to produce a convening document that's going to come out of it that I would love to obviously share with many of the listeners here, as well as cooperators of color, as well as, you know, any other folks um, in the in the in the industry um, and movement. So, you know, again, this is the hardest fun I've ever had, Vernon. It really is. Hardest and, fun. Uh, <laughs> okay. Hardest fun, man. This is the hardest fun I've ever had. And uh, some days I, I, I get up, but again, I have a passion for it. Uh, again, um, you know, Chuck's the the wind behind our sails. And, and then when something something like the book comes out, I mean, it's it just it's like putting the cherry on top. And again, I'm so proud of Michael and I'm, oh, who I call MAP. Wouldn't be a show talking about Michael if I didn't say MAP. Michael, uh, and, Michael and, Allen. And Dr. Clamp, who always tells me to call her Chris, but I will continue to call her Dr. Clamp. But uh, when she was editing my chapter, I thought I was back in Southern New Hampshire a couple of times um, <laughs> in some of her edits. And I was having some flashbacks to 04 and 06 um, when she was a professor of mine. But with that so, said, that's the type of collective effort that it takes to get this complete message across so this this uh convenient you're having now talking about how you incorporate the principles into the cdfi world i just want to make sure everybody out there know that the cooperative principles are guidelines by which the cooperative values are put into into practice and the cooperative values is self-help now like it starts there john self-help we have to help ourselves self-responsibility democracy one member, one vote, equality, equity, and solidarity. It starts with self-help, but working together in solidarity. So that group that started Chai Fresh, everybody has one one vote, all five of them, when they get ready to make a decision, they make the decision on what's best for the group, and everybody gets help. They, they help themselves while they're helping the group. So this is why I love co-ops and we don't have time to go through the principles, but I like what you're convenient. And if I had, I just looked at my calendar. I'm booked up on next Tuesday. I would love to have been, been there, if nothing else, just listening. So when you look at the opportunities in the next three minutes we have or so here, three, four minutes, what do you see Rochdale doing to help the future of worker co-ops? You know, I see Rochdale as a huge supplement to the already – uh, existing efforts that are going on. You know, there are many co-op mission lenders across the country who are 
working to, to get these worker co-ops financed. There's advocates like the bank and NCBA and others who are trying to get the SBA across the finish line. There are thought leaders out here who are writing things like the Dr. Clamps of the world and the MAPs. Uh, we want to be a part of all of that, man. We want to be a part of, of every effort as a, as a, as a, as from a financial standpoint, uh, to an advocate standpoint, uh, to a, uh, uh, relationship standpoint or thought leadership standpoint. And, but at the same time, uh, Vernon, we want to bring other people along. We want to bring folks that may not necessarily know, uh, about financing worker co-ops. And so if we can find a reputable model, uh, as co-op mission lenders for others to, to take on um, as uh, CDFIs, uh, then we're going to do it. And so I just think that um, I'm a big believer of leaving it all in the field. And um, that's what I uh, hope to do uh, when the day is done. Um, so that's um, that's what I'm hoping in the, in a nutshell. Okay. So you, you mentioned a book. I need you to tell people how they can go find the book. So to go find the book, I would go to successstore.com, um, uh, number one. Um, there is an ebook version for many of you who like uh, uh, ebooks. I, I like to hold something in my hand. <laughs> so uh, you can also uh, buy the paperback version, if I'm not mistaken, just uh, came out. There's also um, um, Oak Tree Press, um, that is uh, the founder and the founder and publisher. Oak, Oak Tree Press uh, is another place to go get it. Um, I would definitely uh, encourage everyone uh, in this country as well as globally. Again, 36 contributors from six countries on three continents. I know that there's an effort to to have it translated into other um, uh, languages, but I would definitely start at successstory.com. And if not, reach out to me on any social media avenue or, or outlet and uh, or email me if you have my email. And let me also say that the co-editors royalties from this are going to go and be donated to um, some social economic missions uh, and others, um, again, um, that believe strongly in that one contributor, one vote, vote model. Okay. We're about ready to get off the air. But where have you decided where you want as a contributor, where you would want your proceeds to go to? What organization? I would, you know, and I, and I trust Dr. Clamp and MAP with this. I would want it to go to any cooperators of color or any organization um, um, based in that. I think it's important. You know, there's a rich history here uh, uh, for, for, for black and brown and uh, AAPI folks. That's where I'd like for it to go. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for your time. Everybody out there, we'll see you next Thursday. Please live cooperatively. News Talk 1450 WOLAM, where information is power.